0: Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. We're here to meet with Jesus. and We've already been meeting with Jesus. And now we come to the time when we're going to share from God's Word. And so I want you to take out your Bibles. And if you would turn to the Old Testament you turn to the book of judges chapter 16 judges chapter 16 i want to share some truths from the story of samson how many remember the story of samson you know i grew up in in the day when we had uh, the comic books and, and you know i was i was a great fan of superman and all the rest of the the uh, superheroes. And I remember just being so fascinated with the, the, the supernatural, the, the ability that these people would have. And I know they're, they're make-believe. But when you go to the scriptures, you find other superheroes like Samson. Samson had superhuman strength. And it came out of a vow that his parents had made and he maintained. It was called the Nazarite vow. You remember the story? And one of the external evidences of the Nazarite vow was that he had promised never to cut his hair. So you can imagine. I mean, I I would look pretty shaggy when I was a teenager, but this guy was beyond shaggy, okay? We're we're talking about waist-length and longer And uh, I I don't know how he fixed his hair, I'm sure it was really cute, but uh, the story of Samson is is a unique story and it tells us a little bit about how the devil interacts with us and how God, by his spirit, interacts with us. Let me start by telling you a story of a, a very wealthy man, he lived out on the west coast, And he had decided to build a huge home. And uh, money was no object to him. And so it was an architect's and a contractor's dream. He sat with the architect and he says, Hey, don't spare any expense. That had to be a fascinating thing for an architect to hear. And so he just, he went all out. And the contractor working with him, the building went and they used the most exotic stones, the most exotic woods, marble everywhere. And it it was just a masterpiece. Beautiful. Up on a bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean, it was Outstanding. And for many years, he he would go and he would have visitors come and he would have parties and, and it, it was enjoyed by everyone. Everyone would ooh and ah, and he just got excited to hear them, so overwhelmed with what a beautiful place this was. And then one day, something happened. Fortunately, no one was home, but there was... No doubt the sound of cracking and groaning as the earth opened up underneath this estate and the whole structure crumbled and fell into a sinkhole. Well, it was devastating. And they went and they, they did investigations. They brought in crews to, to look to find out what happened here. Was this just a natural phenomenon? Or was there some reason why this home was destroyed? And they found the cause. Way underneath, as the water, main water lines came into the house, there was just the smallest pinhole that was leaking water from the very first day that the plumbing was turned on. And no one caught it. And so for those years that the building existed, that little pinhole was squirting water and eroding the foundation and the ground under the foundation until there was nothing left to support the building and the building collapsed. What a tragedy. But what a bigger tragedy when it happens in the life of a person. When the spiritual foundation under someone's life is eroded to the point where they collapse. Just a few months ago, I heard one of, one of my great heroes, and I won't go naming names, but he was, he was a brilliant, brilliant apologist. He had studied the scriptures and he knew the answers to so much. He was an intellectual and I, I just, I so much enjoyed listening to him. He died and after his death, they pieced together some of the pieces and found out that there had been an immoral lifestyle hidden away from everyone else's view. Some accusations had been made in the past and, and he had denied them and that found out afterwards that those accusations were actually true. A collapsed structure. A destroyed life. In his case a legacy that was totally eliminated. In Judges chapter 16 we find later in the life of Samson After many victories. Samson was a judge, and he was living in a time period where the the enemy tribe was always trying to destroy the Israelites. And God raised up certain judges, Samson being one of those, that would be the leveling factor. And so, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but he killed many hundreds of Philistines. That was was what he did. So the Philistines were always looking for a way to undermine him. They were looking for a way to find out what made him so supernaturally strong. If you go back and you read some of the stories of things that Samson did, I mean things like taking foxes and tying their tails together, lighting a, a, a torch in between their tails and sending them off into the, the cornfields and they would burn down the enemy fields. One time he walked into a city and he picked up the city gates. This wasn't a little gate that you know, went to your backyard. These were stone gates and iron gates and he picked them up and he carried them for a long distance. He had supernatural strength. He was the superman of his day. And so the Philistines were looking for the kryptonite. What would take away Samson's power? In Judges 16, beginning with verse 4, and I'm going to refer to this chapter, so if you want to leave it open and and keep looking at it, um, it reads like this. Later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek the leaders of the Philistines went to her and said, find out from Samson what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. I don't know what silver is going at today, about 26 $27 an ounce. But 1,100 pieces of silver from each one of these leaders of the Philistines, that was going to be enough to retire on, for sure. That was a lot of money. And Delilah began the process. Verse six. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Now, there, there is nothing bashful about this lady. And, and she's not trying to hide what she's wanting to know. She's really straightforward. Come right at it, head on. Tell me what makes you so strong and what, what would have to happen to make it so you could be bound and couldn't get away. And Samson said, well, if I'm tied up with seven new bowstrings strings that have not yet been dried, I will be as weak as anyone else. Now you'll notice in this passage that Delilah had this storeroom that mysteriously had just about anything she needed seven new bowstrings no problem just goes into my storeroom waits for samson to be asleep ties them up with the bowstrings the philistines come into the back room and they're waiting and she yells samson samson the philistines are on you he gets up well take a look at what it says here samson snapped the bowstrings this is later on in verse 9 as if they were strings that had been burned in a fire. Dink, no problem. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you made fun of me. Now, somewhere along the line, you have to look at Samson and go, you're not the smartest guy in the bunch, are you? Not the brightest bulb here, come on. I mean, several times during this story, I want to just walk up to him and just, just slap him and say, would you wake up? I mean, maybe from a distance slap him. Come on. What do you mean? She's, you're making fun of her. So Delilah, so Samson said, well, if I'm tied up with brand new ropes that have never been used, I'll be as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes, just happened to be in her storeroom, and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the room as before, and Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were threads. Verse 13, Delilah said, you've been making fun of me, telling me lies. Won't you please tell me how you can be tied up securely? And Samson replied, Well, if you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, that's a big, big piece of wood, this big stick, and stick it in there, I will be as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, and this is another issue Samson has, he is a very deep sleeper. Can you imagine Delilah? She goes to her back room. What has she got back there? A loom. That's coincidence. So here she goes dragging it across the floor. Can you hear it scraping the floor? (laughs) This is a big piece of furniture. She gets it up to where Samson is sleeping and begins to weave weave the the seven braids of his hair into a fabric and then took the, the loom shuttle and tightened it up. And again she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up Pulled back the loom shuttle and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. And then Delilah pouted. Verse 15. How can you say you love me when you don't confide in me? You've made fun of me three times, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. So day after day she nagged him until she couldn't stand it anymore. Now listen. Any, any single guys, don't go looking for a gal like this. And if you find a gal and she starts just just nagging, it won't get better getting married. Dump her quick. Find a, a, a woman of God. They're all around. Be a little bit more selective. I mean, that's my counsel to Samson. Choose wisely who you're going to spend your life with. This is a good time, guys. I'm just saying, that would, have been a, that would have been a prime time for all the husbands to say, amen, yes. I was I was listening to a friend of mine, another superintendent from down in Louisiana, and he was telling a story about his granddaughter. And she was about four years old, and she was sitting up at the kitchen counter, and she was eating her breakfast. She had a big bowl of Cheerios, and she was just one at a time. She would just put them into her mouth and there was a little TV in front of her and she was watching Steve Irwin. Do you guys remember The Crocodile Man? Okay, Steve Irwin had this thing about poisonous snakes and so he'd pick up this viper and he'd go this little bloke is the most venomous snake in all the world. One little nip from this bugger and you'll be dead before you hit the ground. So she's watching this, and she's watching this snake is twisting around, trying to get at Steve Irwin, and he's he's dodging it. And pretty soon she just she couldn't handle it. I mean, she hadn't been swallowing any of her Cheerios; she'd just been stuffing them in her mouth. She'd forgotten to chew, and she just spit them all out. She said, "Hello, let go." <laughs> and I think of that with Samson. Come on, Samson, get out of there! Don't you realize? She is after your strength and she is out to destroy you. Don't take some calm approach. This is time for a radical move. Get out of there. Verse 17. Finally, Samson told her his secret. Now notice he'd been getting a little bit closer. He started off with bowstrings. He moved over to ropes. And then he started talking about his hair. If you would take my hair and weave it into the fabric of a loom, And now he looks at her and says, well, it is my hair. I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth, so he sent for the Philistine leaders. Come back one more time, for he's told me everything. So the Philistine leaders returned and they brought the money with them. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap and she called on a man to shave off his head making his capture certain and his strength left him verse 20 then she cried out Samson the Philistines have come to capture you when he woke up he thought I will do as before and shake myself free but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. King James says that he didn't realize that the Spirit of God had left him. When I think of those words, I think the most tragic words that could ever be, ever be echoed. He didn't realize that the Spirit of God had left him. That's tragedy. The rest of the story, you know, they, they bound him. They put out his eyes, seared them, So now he's bound, he's blinded, and they bring him out every once in a while and they poke fun at him and they tie him to the mill, to the millstone, like you would an ox. And he had to push that stone around and grind wheat. Three things that I pick up from this story. One, people fail incrementally. The story of Samson is the story of an incremental failure. A little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until the foundation was gone. It didn't come all at once. You know, sometimes we're, we're expecting Satan to come at us with this, this huge temptation that's just going to totally wipe us out in one move. It doesn't usually happen like that. Have, have any of you ever been tempted to steal like a Brinks truck, you know, an armored truck? You see one out in front of the bank and you think, oh, I, could, I could reach up behind him and knock him in the head and get in and take his truck. Probably not. Did you ever think of, of maybe uh, walking into a bank and sticking a gun through the, the teller's counter and say, give me all your money? Probably not. I'll tell you how it happens. I was about 15 years old and uh, I was uh, I did a, a delivery, a paperboy delivery. So I had this big bag full of newspapers and where I started my route was uh, there was a little convenience store and they would always deliver the bundles of papers and I would pack them into my bags and go out door to door dropping off papers. Well this is back before the days of security cameras so I walked in the store I was going to buy something and I see this big display of Snickers candy bars. Oh my goodness. Got to have one, want one so bad. It was a big temptation. It really was. I look around and I'm thinking, there's nobody here. I mean, the owner's way up at front; and he's busy with somebody. Nobody would know. I could do this. That's the kind of temptation that Satan comes at you with. Now, I was pastoring in Rapid City, and uh, years ago, I shared with the congregation that that was one of my big temptations. The next Sunday, I came to service, and, he, and the pulpit was heaping. Every size, every Snickers candy bars just covered the whole pulpit. And that was the Sunday I shared with them my absolute all-time biggest temptation. That was to steal a Corvette convertible. <laughs> Didn't work. Actually, one of the guys in the church, he bought a little red model, you know, and he set it up on the pulpit. Okay. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that will get you. It's the things that you just, you think, oh, that's not a big thing. It's just one in a series of things that will destroy your foundation and slowly, incrementally take you down. The point is that most of us, often it's the little sins that are problems. Like with that home, it's that slow, gradual erosion that will take us. And all of this happens when we stop being as careful about what we allow into our lives. Maybe it's something that we watch. Maybe it's language that we just kind of adopt And we hear it so much in the workplace and we hear it in other places and so we just kind of take it and use it. The second thing I notice in this passage is Satan is persistent. Just like Delilah was persistent, always on him, nagging him, just one day after another, just droned on and off until finally it was kind of like, all right, all right, all right. I'll tell you, Satan will persistently come at you if you think you have you have defeated him forever and he'll never you'll never be tempted again you're wrong. Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are. His purpose is to draw you away from God. His purpose is to draw the spiritual life out of you. He doesn't want you to be an overcomer. He doesn't want you to be victorious. He wants you to be defeated. He wants you to go around depressed, sad all the time, never encouraged, and never encouraging anyone else. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to take away the joy of being a believer. He wants to erode your life. He wants to thwart God's purposes in your life. God has created you for a purpose. Satan doesn't want you to have anything to do with it. So he will erode erode your life. He will destroy you in any way he can. John 10.10 The thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The second part of that verse is much more powerful. But I am come. It's red letter edition. It's Jesus speaking. He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus has come to give you. The third thing I notice in this passage is that God is the God of a second chance. He forgives. And we look at Samson's life and we say, well, it's over. He's done. You know, the most optimistic words in this whole thing, look at verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again. I love it something just burns inside i go it is it is a marker of what's happening on the inside of samson because you better believe that when samson is there in the the darkness of being blinded bound put into a, a drabby cell fed slop he's got his head bowed he's saying oh god oh god i've made a mess oh god i've i've blown it i've i have How could you ever forgive me for what I've done? Have you ever heard someone say that? How could you ever forgive me? They don't understand the grace and the mercy of God. Because as Samson is there and he is praying, he is repenting, his hair began to grow. Now, Samson's strength was never in his hair. It wasn't. The hair was a marker. It was a symbol of the vow that he had made to God. And slowly, progressively, he had broken this vow and that vow. And finally, the last thing, he allowed his hair to be cut. That's the progression of sin. But his strength was never in his hair. It was in his relationship with God. Don't let Satan take you out. Verse 23 now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate and saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw it, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our, our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I can lean against them. Now the temple was filled with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. If you've ever gotten to that place where you felt like everything everything was totally messed up and you just came to God and said, God, I'm sorry. Please remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. His right hand on one, his left hand on the other, And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on all the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. It could have been so different. His life didn't have to go the direction it did. But listen to that final third point. God is the God of the second chance. And when you think you've gone so far astray that God could never forgive you, just remember the life of Samson. God, remember me just one more time. Give me one more victory. I believe someday we're going to go to heaven and we're going to meet Samson. I believe that Samson is going to be one of those guys that when we're doing the first day tour, God says, oh, by the way, you got to meet this guy. You just got, you read all the stories. Now you need to meet him. He's quite a character but by God's grace, he was saved. I don't know what kind of things you've been going through. I don't know what kind of things Satan has been pushing at you, the temptations that he's pushed your way. But I will tell you right now, our God is greater. And the God of the second chance will make it possible for you to push away from those things, to walk away clean. You don't have to yield to all the temptations. You don't have to go the route that Samson went. God is the God of the second chance. He forgives. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. That's our God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Those of you who are listening online, the word that I've shared this morning, it's it's a word for you as well. I believe that God wants to give you that second opportunity. He wants to restore your life. If you'll just humble yourself, And pray that prayer of forgiveness. It goes something like this. And those of you here with me, would you just repeat it after me? Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me completely. I repent of my sins. I don't want to go that direction. I want to give you honor in my life. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for paying the price. Now cleanse me completely and help me to live my life for you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.